Welcome to What Are We Building? I'm Andy Shaner. Thank you for tuning in. This is 103.5 FM The Sun. I am at the Sun Prairie Media Center Studios, underwritten by the Bank of Sun Prairie, over here by the library. Thank you for tuning in. We are going to be talking to Lisa Goldsberry and Tracy Frank today. They are my guests. We're going to be talking about the school board. They've got a petition on how we elect the school board and, and interesting stuff. I think you'll you'll learn something and get something out of that conversation, uh, so hang around for that. Uh, what I want to talk about is what we are building, specifically a new pediatric dental center, so kids' dentists. Uh, that Grand on Main development over there by the new Summit Credit Union, uh, kind of kitty corner from Menards. There's a Jimmy John's and a Hoo Hot over there. Uh, I think it's a standalone building, but that'll be sort of the last piece of that Grand on Main development. Uh, and so, you know, if you got kids need to go to the dentist, there's a, a new local pediatric dentist. That'll be good to good to have uh, when that's built and open. Uh, the other thing that came before the Planning Commission and the City Council this week was a new storage facility. So right in that same area near the West Prairie Village, uh, the Sherwin-Williams at Maine and Thompson, uh, right near where the High V is going, uh, they're building or want to build a new storage unit, or storage unit building. And I'll be honest, when I first heard, you know, uh, the storage unit, isn't this what you normally have, you know, on the outskirts of town or, you know, in an industrial park, kind of these old, ugly, you know, garages? It, it, why in the world would you want to put a, a storage facility right there? And it just seemed like, you know, the neighborhood didn't like it. It wasn't a fan. And that neighborhood, obviously, uh, if you followed any of the Colorado Commons or the apartment complex that's being built, they weren't really happy about that. And it just seems like we, they, they're continuing to kind of shove these things down their throat in that neighborhood. And I, was, I just thought, what a terrible idea. And then I, I dug into it and I went online and I actually saw the building. And the building is gorgeous. It's it's as nice a, a building as you can imagine. It's all it's three stories. All of the the storage units are are accessed from the inside. So everything's sort of Bluetooth, um, digital keys, and that kind of thing. There's a air it's air conditioned, climate controlled. I think there's a drive through area, a little retail area where they'll sell moving supplies and that kind of stuff. And just kind of a unique, very new, unique concept for storage. And it, it the, I think, you know, the, my opposition to it, and the more I thought about it, it's like there's the way things used to be or the way we want them to be, and then there's the way things are or even the way their things are going to be. And I, I think with COVID and, and remote work, with people not being able to find a house, uh, apartment living, obviously, look, there's a ton of apartments being built. And I think more and more people either at the front end of their lives when they're starting out need to live in an apartment or on the back end when they're empty nesters and, uh, and are, are looking to, to downsize, there is a need for storage. And I, I think back to the last time I moved, it's like we filled up the moving truck and then left out, you know, what we actually needed because we were moving into an apartment temporarily until we could find a house. And what we needed actually to live in that apartment was like 6% of the entire, you know, of our possessions. And it's just, we accumulate a lot of crap, my basement, my garage, we just have a lot of stuff and it's not necessarily stuff you need to access all the time. And so we don't want to get rid of it, but we need a place to store it and maybe be able to access it potentially conveniently. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for, um, particularly a lot of, like I said, younger families, uh, people we want to attract and bring in and move to Sun Prairie, having a, a, a convenient, accessible, high-quality, nice storage area um, is important and uh, important to them and, and attractive. And, and, you know, we talk about affordable housing all the time, and if we can – 
sort of cut down on the amount of storage that these apartment buildings need to have because it's available other places, uh, well, that, that kind of makes, you know, building those buildings more affordable instead of having to have a one-size-fits-all. People can go to a private, you know, and, and, and rent or, you know, lease as much storage as they need. Some people don't need that, and they don't have to pay extra for it. So uh, I think it's a unique concept. It's very forward-looking, I think, um, and, and we just sort of need to get out of old mentality sometimes and think, you know, what do we want to have in the city? Uh, you know, everybody loves these little retail shops and storefronts and professional space. I just don't know. I think it's tough right now. Uh, you know, the catalyst on Maine, um, the new apartment complex, they wanted to have retail on the bottom. They just asked to have that change to like a work life, or, you know, a, a work living sort of situation because, look, there's a need for housing. Retail, not so much. And so having something that sort of helps uh, supplement, uh, you know, a housing that's that's going on around is, I, I think, ultimately a good thing and, and I'm in favor of it. But anyway, I, you know, it, w- it was interesting, like the Talamore uh, apartment complex, uh, the new uh, senior living that's right down there. They they were supportive of it because they said, hey, we've got a lot of people downsizing. They need storage. Um, Roar, the company that's building the apartments right next to the high V, they were also in favor of it because they thought, you know, it would be attractive to their residents. Gebhardt, who's building the Colorado Commons right next to it, kind of ironically said, this is not the right use of land. They were opposed to it. Um, so, you know, different, different perspectives, different opinions, but even from the, from the apartments and, and developer standpoint, um, but, uh, you know, wh- whether you love it or hate it, you know, kind of a unique concept for some prairie and it sounds like is moving forward and, and is going to be something we're building. So anyway, that is, uh, all I've got to talk about. We're going to take a little break. Please hang around and listen to my conversation with Tracy Frank and Lisa Goldsberry. And I will be right back on 103.5 FM, the sun community radio. I am Andy Shaner. This is what are we building? You are listening to 103.5 FM, Sun Prairie's community radio station, serving Sun Prairie and the surrounding area at 103.5 FM or on the web at sunprairiemediacenter.com. You can also get the app from the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. One of the things you can get on that app or on sunprairiemediacenter.com is my new TV show called Roundabout Sun Prairie. We did the first show last week with Alwyn Foster and Faustina Bowling. They're my first two guests. Uh, I will do that show once a month with two new guests Every month, we'll talk to folks in the city, the city council folks, uh, just people around of whatever's in the news, and it, it's great fun. I think it's uh, – I could use a little work, quite honestly. The host needs a little bit of practice, but but the format is good. It's half hour, five topics, five minutes per topic with some introductions, and, uh, and I think if you're interested in local current events at all, uh, getting different perspectives and hearing from different people will be good. So please check that out. Uh, you can go to uh, sunprairiemediacenter.com. Click on Kason uh, or Kason on demand, and it'll get all you get all our videos there, and you can look for Roundabout Some Prairie with me, Andy Shaner. So uh, check that out. The other thing I want to make sure everybody's aware of is the Scavenger Race that is happening on July 31st. That's a benefit for the Water Tower Fund, uh, being done in conjunction with the Parks and Rec Department and uh, and the Sun Prairie Historical Museum. Uh, as a, kind of the last big event for Fun Prairie, you can sign up, and the top prize is a thousand dollars. All kinds of crazy fun events and activities going around in the city, um, but there's only a limited number of tickets available, so make sure and grab those. If you and a friend, you and your spouse or partner want to uh, want to get in on the scavenger race, really cool, unique event that you should definitely check out on July 31st. So uh, that is all I've got to plug. Uh, we will come back with my guests, Lisa Goldsberry and Tracy Frank on What Are We Building? I'm Andy Shaner. 
So yeah, I'm here with Lisa Goldsberry and Tracy Frank. They are both involved with a petition that we're going to be talking about in a little while. But uh, I, I usually, so it's the first time we've met, and I just wanted to get to know you a little bit, let our listeners get to know you. And so we'll start with you, Lisa. When, how long have you lived in Sun Prairie and kind of what, what brought you here and what do you do for a living? So um, as you said, my name is Lisa Goldsberry. I moved to Sun Prairie in June of 2015. Um, I moved to Sun Prairie because I uh, I had kind of wandered a little bit. So I went to school in California, lived there for about nine years. Then I had a son and moved to Florida. I lived there about eight years. And then I wanted my son to get the opportunity to get to know my family, especially the family that I grew up with. Hmm. So um, I'm originally from Chicago. I didn't want to move back to Chicago, especially raising an African-American son. So I had a sister that stayed um, here in Sun Prairie. So I, I relocated here to Sun Prairie. Um, and so we've kind of been here since then. My background is mental health. So I was a marriage and family therapist. I worked uh, for DCFS. I was a licensing um, uh, specialist, so I licensed foster homes. Um, when we moved here, I was a single parent. Um, wanted to kind of get a job where I would have very similar hours to my son, so I started substitute teaching. Um, and from there, um, I got a couple of long-term sub-positions, and then I ended up getting hired full-time as the community school site coordinator at Patrick Marsh. Oh, super. And so I was there for about three years up until this past February. Does, and what, and did uh, February with COVID, did they, what happened with that position? So um, it was really a long time coming. I just really started to feel like I didn't fit. Mm. There was a lot of things that happened, and it, it really just culminated around that February 1st curriculum violence incident. Yeah. Um, I just really felt like it, it just wasn't the place for me anymore. And so I resigned. Um, I actually gave two weeks notice, but the dis- district decided to terminate my contract effective immediately. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, so was that... That was was that the Hammurabi's Code yes. situation? Okay, that's what you were referring to. Yes, which I think people remember. They can go look it up. But yes. um, yeah, a fortunate, a fortunate situation. And so yeah. since then, so that was since, February of this past year. Yes, I kind of twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I've been living off savings and just kind of like really trying to decide what I want to do next. Do I want to go back into the mental health? Do I want to try to find something else in education and really just weigh my options? And so um, August twenty third, I will be uh, accepting a position. I accepted a position with Catholic Charities, oh. and I'll kind of be doing both. Um, so I will be a clinical coordinator. So I will be working with uh, teaching staff on implementing um, service plans for um, children with behavioral challenges in the in the Wanaki school district okay no fantastic i know yeah i mean a lot of folks i think are kind of reevaluating things that covid kind of changes your perspective on a lot of that kind of stuff yeah so So this um, gives me a little bit more of what i'm used to because i will be using my mental health background but it'll be in a school setting so thanks thanks uh tracy how about you how long have you been in Sun Prairie? Yeah, so I have been in Sun Prairie uh, technically as a resident for seven years. Um, but my history in Sun Prairie goes back because I this was my first teaching job. Um, so I was a math teacher for about 15 years, high school, and my first teaching job was in Sun Prairie um, at the high school. And so that was back in 1996. So I, I go back a while in Sun Prairie, but moved um, to So other- that's like algebra... Pre-calc, what kind of... Correct. Okay, yes. all the above? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I t- mostly taught the younger, you know, the lower high school grades, so freshmen, sophomores. Yeah. Um, and so then 
um, I moved around a little bit and uh, ended up back in Dane County. Um, my husband is actually from Sun Prairie, graduated from here, mm. and his parents are from Sun Prairie, his dad. I think and mom both went to school here, so my my children are third generation Sun Prairie, but um, they grew up, you know, the first half of their lives elsewhere, and then we decided to move here as a family. So, yeah, 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 wonderful. And um, I, and so I, I yeah, I wanted to kind of get into you know one of the things that we we talk about on the show is what are we building, you know, just not just news and actual buildings that are going up, but what type of community do we want to be and you know what what are our values and priorities and what are we building and certainly sort of representation on you know at city council level but then also you know i, I think it's something that's gotten press nationally in terms of gerrymandered districts and and how the does the government and our elected representatives reflect uh, who the people are and that's always something that's sort of in in conflict or tension i don't think people think about it as much with you know their local school board or city council and that kind of thing and so i know you, you guys have a petition going and what what started or, or first just describe kind of what what the petition is for and, and how, where did that kind of get started um so for me um i have always since i've moved to sun prairie been like involved in like the school district one of the first things i did when i got here i went to register my son in school and they had these flyers up about the original the first space planning meet committee when they were trying to build this elementary elementary schools and so I joined that I thought that was a way for me to get to know people and mm. you know just get involved and so I was part of the original space planning committee on um, the secondary space planning committee with the high school I was the liaison to the board for that went to a lot of the school board meetings was really getting engaged and so started noticing some things right off the bat that was kind of like hmm you know, but you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask. How did you find that experience um, to be? I, f- I felt like people were saying the right things. They um, they knew how to talk the lingo in terms of equity and in terms of inclusion. And yeah. so I was feeling really good. When, when I first moved, I was feeling really good about the school districts. Um, and then the longer I stuck around, I realized that, and I probably get a, in a lot of trouble for this, but... It was all talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like they wasn't really putting effort and putting energy behind the things that would really make this an inclusive and an equitable dish school district. No, and that's not to interrupt, but that's something I'm finding, too. I mean, I think we're, we're all, and we tried to talk about it on the show, when Black Lives Matter happened, and we yeah. all kind of look in the mirror, um, you know, hopefully white folks will look in the mirror, too, and say, what what can I do? Well, what? how can I use that privilege or be aware of it? And there is, as I had some more conversations with, you know, African-American minority folks is, is we don't, we're beyond just hearing the right things and the right words. We need to be taking the right actions and the right steps. And so it's, exactly. it's something and my we just all what, need to be more aware of. Exactly. You can't be, you can't be for equity if you're constantly being reactive, right? Yeah. You have to be proactive in some areas. And I find that. Well, look, the status quo is not working for mm-hmm. A certain segment of the people and so we need to make changes and that's I think what you're getting at so. exactly so right. and I think it's not working in any school district you know yeah. so I, I have the privilege of being a um, educational consultant teacher leader instructional coach and so I work with districts all over the state outside of the state um, and so you know issues of racial equity and um, issues of community involvement and how schools operate I've had the 
pleasure, honestly, of working with so many different administrators and principals and just seeing certain ones really are impactful and, and, and have huge change in their communities because of the choices they make or the way that they lead. Yeah. And so it's just really key to have um, strong leadership and to have community involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of you know where the petition came from was just some just some reflection i think on like what's working in sun prairie and what's not and um for example people will say well nobody wants to run for school board and i'm thinking wait we've had five people run in the last three years and only one of those people got on the school board and that's because someone stepped down so someone had to get on yeah you know three years ago we had three people run and none of them made, made it and so then i start to think about well what was that process like um, and for me, it was a frustrating process because there were six people running for three seats. And so you had this opportunity to cast three votes. That's how we currently vote. Everybody's an at-large candidate, and you put out three votes. But you don't have to use three votes. You can use just one vote or two votes. And so some people do that strategically. Yeah. And so it, it kind of becomes more of a game than a real um, sense of who the community wants. No, it was funny. Like with New York City, if you followed their mayoral race, and they had, I don't know, 15 candidates. And there were, I think like the New York Times published a guide of here's how to vote strategically. And I, I think the ranked choice voting, there's some advantages to that. But it does make things a little more more complicated at times. Um, but because I, I think well, I have three votes, I'll use all three votes. But if you only vote once, and that's the, who you kind of get behind, um, that can have a different impact as well. So it's I don't know. It's a lot to think about. But and as we've been circulating the petition and um, engaging in com- community conversations, that's what we're hearing is that people do block vote. You know, one yeah. person that signed the petition, he said, well. You know what fifty? You know what I do with fifty of my friends. We all agree on the one person we're going to vote for, and that's the only vote we use. Mm. Um, and so that's really impactful to yeah. I know it's not it's not really the community speaking who they want. Yeah. And so that just led to a little bit of research. Well, how do other communities you know vote for school board? Right. And so through that research, we found that Wanakee, DeForest, um, Middleton, Verona all do what 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 we're proposing i before i get to that i, yeah. I feel like i cut you off or, or no, interrupted no, no. We, we were talking about kind of your experience on these space planning committees and you know some a little bit of, i i just wanted to let you kind of finish your thought on sort of what that experience was like and and kind of where, where that led you to your next steps lisa so um for me what it led me to is really really seeing how the school board and the district work and um how are they intertwined? And um, so what I learned is that just the district itself always talks about this top-down approach, but if you but the top-down approach doesn't work because the hierarchy of power is not really top-down because the governing the the current governing system that the school board use they really don't have a lot of authority over the school district, and so learning all of that was what motivated me to get involved with it. When I found out about the petition, I'm like, well, the first change is getting people who want to govern in office. And so how, how do we get a change or influx of, like, fresh voices, fresh faces at the table um, so that we can't have these conversations? Yeah, because even with public comments, they read them, but they have acknowledged publicly that they do nothing with them. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a perception sort of that, the school board, because they're elected, and again, we maybe sort of assume they're 
like Congress or you know or these other elected officials who are governing or writing legislation that but would in your assessment who does the superintendent and the administration have more say in our schools or the school board maybe it depends on what so you're talking you, about I would say the school district not the board because mm. the the school board has elected a governance policy that gives the power to the district. So the district has to report to the board, but they don't necessarily have to get approval from the board. They just have to report to the board. Okay. And and when they do have to get approval, uh, often it's a yes uh, from everyone because the message is it's not our role to um, make the decisions. Our role is to support. Yeah. Um, and so... That can be concerning if the community in general doesn't agree with how something's going. There doesn't really seem to be space for that feedback. And what, where does the pushback happen when things aren't going well, or there, we do need to change the status quo? If the elected school board, who are who are elected and answerable or accountable to the community, I and mean, everybody to a certain extent is sort of accountable, but if the election process isn't set up to be able to provide that pushback or change things. If there is there to support, I could see where that's that's problematic. So so let's talk about the petition. What was it, Lisa? Did you start it? Did you start it, Tracy? Did you guys work together on it? Do you remember? Tracy originally did the research looking into other districts how and yeah. to see how they did it. And then she mentioned it to me that we did it different. And I'm like, well, why do we do it different? How do we change it? And so I think we kind of both kind of from that point, start looking at statue and figuring out, you know, how how do we do this? And um, we originally wrote a petition that wasn't really that great. It was very lengthy and wordy. And so reached out to a friend of ours whose husband um, is an um, attorney and does this type of stuff. Mm. And he looked it over and he's like, you need to take all this fluff out. This And so he kind of formatted it to make sure it was in the right format and all that kind of stuff. And Just be so more kinda, direct. Yes. And so today, so today, let's before we figure out where we're trying to go, let's figure out where we're at today. There are eight members of the school board. Seven. Seven. Well, at least then there's not a tie. I guess maybe odd numbers. <laughs> and then, but they're elected at large. Yes. So the whole community, all of Sun Prairie elects all seven, seven. members, and it's whoever gets the most votes. I think the last election, people were, so there were like three people running for two open seats, and then those, and then how long are the terms typically? Three years. Three years. So every three years, they're up, and then however many people are running, they, it's just sort of the majority of the community votes, which seems like a very simple, good system on its face. So you got now you guys can explain to me why that's what's the what the, what the issues are with that and why we're looking to change it. So for me, again, going back to I'm really big on accountability, mm-hmm. like. I write a lot of public comments, especially lately, mm-hmm. and so I feel like I feel like one when you a public comment should be addressed. Someone should be accountable for answering it. For like, even if it's just a phone call to say, "Hey, look, I got your public comment. Let's talk more about it." Even if it doesn't like make them feel make people feel hurt. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so I'm really big on accountability, right? And so yeah. then when I looked at the school board, and I realized that. Six of the seven school board members come from the same area. They went through this this task force. They went through this long process to make sure we had really equitable high schools in terms of 
um, demo, racial demographics, yeah. in terms of uh, free and reduced lunch demographics, in terms of population-wise, they went and they made sure that um, everything that was, was equal. That was set as the number one priority, I think, that when they're doing these boundaries in, in the task force, that that was, that was equitability and equity was at the top of the list. Yes, right? and so when you look at the school board, I feel like the school board should then represent that as well. And so we got six out of seven all in the West um, High School um, area. You have one uh, person of color on there. So when you look at that criteria that they use to create these boundaries, it is missing in the school board. Yeah. And so our petition is to apportion six of the school board members. And so what that means is that three would then be uh, assigned to the West High School boundaries and would have to live inside that boundaries to run. And three then would be assigned to the East High School boundaries and would have to live in that boundaries to run. And we would still have one at large. And so the biggest confusions that I'm finding with people with the petition is that they think then they only have, they can only vote for the members that live in that district. As uh, citizens, we still vote on all seven candidates. Ah, I see. We don't I have. I think to, that's is that legally where we're required. We're legally required to have yes. the entire community has to be able to vote. Vote, but they have to come. Those candidates have to come or live in, in either the east or west. Yes. Area. Seems yes. reasonable. Yes. I signed the petition, by the way. Full disclosure. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think. Um, when you're talking about equity and you're talking about inclusion, that it's the most fair and equitable equitable way to make sure we have equal representation across the district. Yeah, and uh, look, we we talk a lot about housing and apartments and and your school, and it's it, even more so as we grow. Create there is housing inequity and in mm-hmm. these neighborhoods, and we would we we should be doing more as a city to try to make our neighborhoods more inclusive and less segregated and stratified. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is that. Different neighborhoods and different schools have different different needs. different needs and different demographic makeups, and so trying to draw some lines or say we're going to have those people be accountable to the neighborhoods that you know are going to those schools um, and making sure we have adequate representation, I I, I think is important. So, and, and we debated. So we're we're just proposing two districts. Well, we debated we could have proposed three districts based on the um, middle, middle school boundaries. We could have gone to four districts similar to the districts that we use for council, although that would not have included people outside the city but that are in the school district. Right. So it get, gets a little complicated there. Um, and we didn't really want the task of creating our own boundaries either. Um, and what, So I'm sorry, I just want to stop just real quick because there are pe- there are kids that live in the city of Madison. People don't always know this, but... Correct. They, but they're in the Sun Prairie School District, other communities as well. And then Saint that Bristol. town of Bristol. Yep, and that that we get tax dollars mm-hmm. for the schools from those municipalities, property tax dollars that help help pay you know proportion to that. But do those, if you live in the city of Madison, but your kids go to Sun Prairie School District, are you allowed to vote? Yes. On Sun Prairie School Board. Okay, but yes. you could not vote for city council. Correct. In that case, interesting. Okay. Correct. Okay. Right. So. Um, what we're proposing is similar to how we elect uh, city council alder persons in terms of creating districts, but the reason we chose two districts and not to go to smaller districts mm-hmm. is because two allows for, because it's a three-year term, it allows for someone from each side of the community every year. To turn over, right, that there would be either a re-election or a, a new potential election every year exactly I mean, so from either district right from both districts from right. both districts right. would be you know i mean that would be the uh, 
ideal way to set it up. But the, the petition doesn't outline that, but that would make the most sense. So what that does is it it allows anyone to run any year. Yeah. Um, you know, so if someone wants to run for school board, they don't have to wait two or three years, mm. which might be the case in communities that have split it up where that one only, that um, seat only comes up once every three years. Sure. Do you know sure. what I'm saying? Yep. So this actually uh, is most similar to what we're currently doing where anyone can run any year. Yep. Um, and that was, I think, important to not change a lot because there's some benefits of, you know, the current system mm-hmm. um, that we didn't want to lose. You know, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater right, kind of right. idea. Um, but the way we vote, you know, I yeah. think Yeah, and if you're asking piece. for change, I think, you know, depending on if you can get incremental change, sometimes a little more we could also, palatable to right. the community. So. We could also go to nine school board members, or I think you can go up to 11. Wow. Um, and again, like... We've talked to other districts, and they said that they didn't. Ne- they did that and didn't necessarily benefit from having more. Um, so we just felt like this was the change that would impact. It would uh, do the greater, the greatest good with the least impact. So yeah, to speak. exactly. Right, yeah, the, the least, least, least disruptive, maybe yes, kind of. Yeah, right, and yeah. the greatest impact in terms of really, truly being able to identify who voters are, um, you know, supporting because it'd kind of be one-on-one races under this system versus the group or the pool right, voting. Right, right, which is, yeah. I think, that, that one-on-one, that either-or sort of choice, it takes away some of this confusing strategy part of it. It's a little more, people can understand it pretty easy. It's either I like this lady or this guy better. and yeah. you know. So how I, I, I've been trying to explain it to people, like when you vote, right, currently, so the last election there were um, two seats, we mm-hmm. had three candidates, but yep. you really t- technically only had one vote. You, were, you know what I mean? There was one question on the ballot, and you selected your top two right. and most, which some people only chose one. Yeah. The new system, you would technically get two votes because you would have sure. two questions on the ballot. Now, you would have a question about the West School District. You would have a question about the East. And then however many candidates in there, you would choose only one candidate from each. Right, and which is a really important point. I mean, we talked about it earlier that you would – even though you would have, you're in your district, you'd vote in your district. You still get to vote on yes. who you like better. From you still have a say in who your the other high school area represents. Yes. They just aren't going to be representing your and area. And every third year, you would get three votes because there would be three questions. It would be the east, the west, and then the at large candidate that you would vote on. Gotcha. gotcha. So yeah, so there's that too as kind of the tiebreaker. So yeah. we're going to run out of time. This always goes by quick, but I, I do want to kind of ask, but what's the end game in terms of how many signatures do you need and then what happens after that? Yeah, I just want to make one more clarifying point is that yeah. um, there's some confusion when it's explained that people think that we're proposing two school boards or two school districts ah, no, no, because no. we're using the word district. Um, and just a reminder oh, to sure. listeners voting that we're talking about voting districts, that there would be a, a voting district that would represent be representative of those that are in the West High School yep. attendance. Yep. It doesn't mean they currently have to go to West High School or anything. It just We would use those boundary lines, but we're talking about two voting districts, still one school district, one school board. Absolutely. Good Good point. So, so yeah, where, where does this go from here? Well, we, we, uh, we need to get 500 signatures. Okay. Um, how we, are you tracking how many you're at, roughly? So we're close to 250, okay. like in between 200 and 250. And you started this like a week ago. Yes. Right? Okay. And so, yeah, 500 signatures and then? 
Yeah, and then it goes to the clerk um, for, of, the, of the school district, which is Carol Sue Albright. And so we have to submit it to her 30 days prior to the electors meeting, and our annual electors meeting is October 4th. So that only happens once a year? Only happens once a okay. year. Okay. They just had a special electors meeting, uh, but the state statute requires that this is 30 days prior to the annual okay. electors meeting, the right, you know, the, the one. So September 4th is sort of your deadline. Yes. And so then it goes to the electors meeting at the electors meeting. Um, there will be a debate, a presentation about, you know, what it is. Mm-hmm. There will be a chance to debate, people to ask questions. And then whoever's in attendance votes yes or no for the change. So who are the electors? Anyone who shows up that day. Oh, Anyone really? in the, di- in the um, Sun Prairie Area School District who kids have, uh, who have kids, kids. And, and show up. Huh. Well, even you don't have or to have live kids. in the di- yeah. yeah. Who, anyone who live who resides in Sun Prairie Area School District. So, Correct. Okay. So like those Bristol families that we were talking right. about, or those Madison families who kids are considered Sun Prairie. School Basically, district if your kids. property taxes go to the district, which yes. those city or those other communities do, you you can have a say at the electorate. Well. Yeah. So there was just a special electors meeting a couple days ago, and there were, I think, 20 people in attendance. So I think it's typical. That was a special one. Um, uh, this one, for the annual one, maybe is a little, we don't know, you know, what the attendance will be, but that's part of, you know, what we're trying to get out to people, too, is that signing the petition doesn't do right, anything. Right. <laughs> it gets us the chance yes. to yeah. have a conversation as a community and the chance to vote on it. Sure. Super. Um, if people want more information or... I don't know if they want to get in touch with you guys or help or what What would be, if they want to sign the petition, find out how to do that. We'll, we'll so we started that. a Facebook page, and it's literally called Petition to Apportion the Sun Prairie Area School District. Okay. Um, and so we, like, when we do events, like, so last week we went to Mocha and set up, and we um, set up outside of Beans and Cream. We set up outside of pick and save and at the farmer's market. So as we come up with different events or um, places that we're going to set up for people to come sign, we'll put it on that page. So that's a good page to follow. Uh, um, Also, anybody who would like to help collect signatures, because anybody could um, collect signatures. There's six signatures per page. So if you want to get in contact with one of us via the Facebook page, um, we can get you a blank sheet or two, and you can maybe, you know, each neighbor on each side of you and their spouse is... You know, fill up six sheets and get it in. If you want to help collect signatures, we are welcoming any help we can get. And then the other um, spot for people to sign is um, at the Piano Gale Shop. Oh. So Marta Hansen, sure. uh, who was on the school board at one point, oh. um, has a sheet there and is circulating as well. So people can just stop in on their open hour, on the Piano Gale's open hours, and she has a sheet there for people to sign. So I know people have been doing that. Too. Yeah, that works. Fantastic. Well, we're out of time, but this was, I learned a ton of stuff today. I hope anybody that listens did and just kind of gets you thinking about, again, who who represents, who's making the decisions, how decisions get made um, at the school board. It's we talk about what we're building, how we're educating our kids and what we're doing in our schools is sort of that foundational building block of a lot of who we are as a community. So I appreciate what you guys are doing and, and thanks for being on. So, Thank you for having us. Yeah. No problem. Thank you, Andy. I hope you enjoyed that. I think sometimes, you know, the, the further we get away from our community, like the presidential election, we know how that all gets done and we've gotten an education on that. But then, you know, our city council or our school board, 
you know, the closer it is to our own lives and our kids' lives, sometimes we're not as, as educated or, uh, you know, they're not talking about that on the news, the national news every day. So that's why we try to talk about this stuff. And uh, I, I really, it was great meeting Tracy and, and Lisa, and I appreciated them coming in. And I thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is What Are We Building? I'm Andy Shaner on 103.5 FM The Sun. Stay tuned for more local radio.